Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. We acknowledge the traditional owners of country throughout Australia and recognize their continuing connection to land, waters, and culture. We pay our respects to their elders past, present, and emerging. Welcome to This Song Is Yours, a music podcast where we chat to a new guest each week, talk about their life and creative endeavours, and talk to them about some of the music they love. Our show works by chatting to our guests about music, their songwriting techniques, and occasionally getting them to make you a playlist of the songs they love. Welcome to episode 163. I'm your host, Simon Fink. Our guest today is Baby Velvet. The indie folk solo project of Hannah Crofts is releasing their debut record today, entitled Please Don't Be In Love With Someone Else. In today's episode, we're speaking with Hannah about her dark sense of humour, working remotely with Kevin Raderman, and the music of Big Thief. Here we go. Our guest today is a musician, activist, and multi-instrumentalist who you might know as one quarter of indie folk group All Our Exes Live in Texas. She's toured with the Backstreet Boys and Minard Oil. She's sung with Kesha, but today she's branching out on her own and releasing her debut solo record entitled Please Don't Be In Love With Someone Else. Please welcome to This Song Is Yours, Hannah Croft, aka Baby Velvet. Good morning. Hello. Thank you for having me. My absolute pleasure. Thank you for uh, your time this morning. No, I'm very happy to be here. Where um, where are you joining us from this morning? This is my bedroom. Um, this is where I hold Lovely. all my Zoom calls. Chaos. <laughs> 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 I have been on tour, and um, I just I haven't cleaned in a really long time. I, everything I own is on the floor right now. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. I think tour life kind of. You're used to having nothing there and then when you come home, everything's there and it's kind of that weird, not juxtaposition, but almost, yeah, throw, throws, throws it off a little bit, I find. Everything's disgusting. Everything I own. Actually, <laughs> that's my superpower is that I look really clean but I'm actually filthy. <laughs> I never would have guessed that. Yeah, it's, you hide it well. I'm disgusting right now. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Hannah, again, thank you very much for your time. It is a very exciting week for you. This week, uh, the debut Baby Velvet album comes out. Uh, congratulations, firstly. Oh, thank you. I feel so excited about it and also relieved. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Do you have, um, for those who don't know, uh, this is your first solo album, but you are part of a, a another group that people would know while our exes live in Texas. So you have released music before. Is there, I guess, um, maybe not a ritual, but is there something that feels different about this release week compared to other ones in the past? Oh, this is so different because I've never done anything by myself before. Um, and so when exes released the record, we had... 
I mean, I have a record label. I'm on ABC, which is the same as X's, but we had each other. So there was three other people. And then we had our manager and I've been doing this record with just my record label and me. Um, and it's so different to do something on your own than it is to do in a democracy setting where everything is shared and negotiated. And then this has just been totally within my control and also not shared. So, you know, it's such a different process. Way scarier. Way scarier. <laughs> You're handling it well. Again, you can't see that on camera. <laughs> <laughs> um, with with that kind of stepping out of the, outside of the group and doing something on your own, what was the the catalyst or what was the thought process behind, yeah, finally doing this and being able to put this out by yourself? Kind of a combination of things. Um, Exes had been on tour for seven years straight and we did something ridiculous, like 200 shows a year for that time. We're such tour dogs that at the end of that period, I think we all felt a bit like, um, like I don't want to tour so much for a moment in time. Um, And then when we took that break, COVID happened as well. So there was a lot of time at home. Um, But I guess like musically, I think each of us have had a desire to create the music that, because with X's you write a song and then you bring it in and then we all work on it collectively. And I think that that's beautiful for the X's sound and it has a really distinct sound and it really works within that setting. But then having the opportunity to write something and then go, I really want the drums to sound like this. I want the harmonies to sound like this. I want to make kind of the dream album that you've always dreamt of making and the music that I've always wanted to make. Um, and also maybe just to see if I could do it as well. See if, can I make a record on my own? Can I make a whole album of music? And it turns out I can. <laughs> it turns out you can, and you have done quite well. Um, <laughs> this record, uh, entitled, please don't be in love with someone else. It's a gorgeous sounding record. It's got a, um, I found it difficult to classify or to put into one simple genre mainly just due to like it's it's a little bit uh, Americana-y, it's a little bit folky. There's almost like some soul of the 60s, like Phil Spector kind of girl group kind of sounds on there. Um, sonically, it is gorgeous. Oh, thanks. I think a lot of that is um, – so the producer who made it is named Kevin Raderman and he is in that band My Morning Jacket and he's done all of Ray LaMontagne's um, albums and he is just like the biggest hippie living in the California hills. <laughs> And he's got like a real surf rock sound, but then is also obsessed with the Beatles. And I loved, he, he produced an album by a woman called Jenny O, which I love. And I listened to that and then I looked up the producer and then I contacted him straight away to be like how you did her vocals and how you um, produced her songs is how I want my songs to sound. Um, and I was supposed to go over to LA and record with him, but then couldn't because of COVID. So we made that whole album over Zoom which is a very weird experience to make an album over the internet with someone. I've never met him. So we worked together for eight <laughs> I don't, I've never seen him in real life. Well, that was what I was going to ask next was like, what was that experience like where you've got this, as you said, you're stepping out uh, for the first time by yourself and you, you kind of got like this incredible producer and then you have to record and, and do these <laughs> things technically, physically by yourself. Yeah. It's yeah. not, I wouldn't recommend it. I liked it in that it's a different process and I think that it was a really interesting process. And I bought, so I bought all the recording gear and I set up a booth at home and I recorded all my parts and I learned how to use Logic and I learned how to sense get receive stems so he would do the um, drums and bass and then I would do guitar and vocals and we'd send stuff back and forth and add it together 
I wouldn't recommend it in that for the pandemic. I was sitting alone in my room with my microphone, singing the lines of the album over and over and over and over and over again. And then you listen to yourself do it and you have to pick which one's the best one and then send them to Kevin to mix. But it meant that you were alone in your room listening to yourself over and over and over and over again going, am I good? Was that good? Is that good? Is that better? And if he was standing next to you, you'd normally have a producer who's like, that one was good, use that. Don't do that. That was no good. Do this again. So you kind of miss out on that part. But then at the same time, you're not restricted by, sorry, this is a long answer, but you're not restricted by studio time. So I'm not paying for the hours that I'm in the studio. So I could keep doing stuff until I was happy with it. Um, So in that way, it was was really beneficial. But I think that the amount of time I spent in my head on this record probably wasn't. (laughs) (laughs) I was. Oh, sorry. I was good. No, no, you go. I was just, I just want to say Kevin, the producer, when I called him, he said to me, the first thing he said to me was, he was so American. He said, this is my seventh and final life, which is why it's such a good one. (laughs) (laughs) That's actually pretty cool. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. (laughs) I was going to ask whether you think that that approach uh, would be something that you'd look at doing again in the future, but maybe not if, if it kind of does take a toll. I think that the thing that I've always wanted out of music is to collaborate with people. I've Like I don't really play solo. I play with my band as Baby Velvet. I play with my band or I play with all our exes and I wanted to make an album with other people because that's the beauty of music. I don't like just doing stuff for me and on my own. And so I, I wouldn't do it again that way because I would I just want to collaborate. I want to make music with someone else. Like what's the point of having a producer if you don't get to interact with them, you know? Yeah, that's very fair. I'd do it again if there's pandemic, apocalypse number three happens. I'll still do Please, it, but it's not. No. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. That's it for us. We all deserve a break for the next 55 years. At, at least 10 years, at least 20 years or something, and then we'll see how we go. Exactly. Um, I know you mentioned before that uh, in X's it does work as a much more democratic process. And I guess when it comes to songwriting this time, these songs are yours and yours alone. I guess, was there any time where you felt? Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part, for every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Um, I guess maybe just more out of habit than not, like taking the songs to the other girls and, and showing them and getting their opinions or was it kind of like a keeping it clean or clear until until they were finished? With this record? Yes, yeah. Um, I don't even know if I've shown the girls half of the songs. Um, I really just, I spent about a year writing maybe 30 songs and then I picked 10 from it. 
But I do find the best way that I know to work out what songs I want to keep using or put on a record is to play them in front of other people. So touring with my band and getting to do shows, I was thinking about this because you play, you write a new song and then I play it and then I work out if I'm embarrassed to sing it in front of anyone or if there's lines in it that I'm like, oh, no, that didn't work, oh, no, that's no good, and then whittle it down until you until you have 10 songs that you're like, all right, people can hear these now and I'll record these ones. Yeah, <laughs> that's very fair. I, I find Am that... I embarrassed or not? <laughs> I I find that an interesting um, thing only because I feel that there's so many uh, lines on here and I I know that there's like a bit of... (laughs) No, not at all. (laughs) I was going to say it it comes across that you have like a brilliant sense of humour, like a bit of dark humour as well. And I think that's why I'm surprised that you're saying that there are... um, There are lines that you're like, oh, am I embarrassed about that or not? Only because I think what was the... I think there was a secondary title for the record um, or it might have been a joke title. <laughs> I'm not going to say it. <laughs> I think it had to do with the breakup, liver problems um, and, and something else. And I was just curious, like, yeah, how do you find lyric writing and like being honest and that sense of humour while still maintaining the, um, I guess, not making it too comedy-ish or like not mm. too, yeah. I find it. I've been thinking about this a bit because I'm obsessed with the writer David Sedaris and he's so, he's the funny, to me, he's the funniest person in the world. And I just write down note, like one lines on my phone all the time. Like mum got a divorce and she's never been happier. I've had that line stuck in my head for ages, <laughs> but I just like write down little snippets and then kind of include them in my songs. But then at the same time, my songs are really like diary entries of how I'm feeling and can be really vulnerable and honest. But it, that's also the embarrassment can sometimes be that um, like I've just been broken up with by someone and then I write a song and I really want to do that. But then you're like, oh, this person's actually going to hear that song. And like, I don't come off very cool in like telling everybody I'm really sad about this thing or whatever. So I kind of, it's a fine line between wanting to be really honest and vulnerable, but then also trying to find the sense of humor in that as well. So that, I don't know, you can enjoy playing it that's a bit of a tangent, but you can enjoy playing it as well as and have the sense of humour to yourself so that you laugh when you sing the line or you, like, giggle about it. But then that's mixed in with it's a real song about something that really did affect me in some way. Yeah, of course. Mm. I, um, I'm curious when you, I guess, how did you first come to music and, and start songwriting back in the day or whenever you, you kind of picked up a guitar and learned that uh, you could sing? Um, so Alana in All Our Exes of In Texas was actually my singing teacher and that's how we met. So I, when I was like, cause she's eight years older than me, I think. So when I was 15, I used to go and see her play and then seeing her play, I was like, oh, I want to learn how to sing. So then she became my singing teacher. Um, and then I, for some reason believed that if you wanted to be a musician, you had to learn how to study jazz and that if you'd studied jazz, then you could be a folk <laughs> singer, which I'll never understand why I thought that. So I went through high school and then I went to uni and I went to Whopper in WA and studied music. And then um, that's how I met Georgia in the band um, as well and then didn't graduate because I don't like singing jazz as it turns out. I don't want to improvise. <laughs> Um, and then Georgia and I started playing music together and then X's formed and I kind of only picked up an instrument for X's. I hadn't really played an instrument before and I learned how to 
um, play ukulele through that band. And then when I started this project about three years ago, I picked up the guitar. So I actually haven't been playing guitar very long either. Um, but they're kind of, I wouldn't say I'm an instrumentalist. I use guitar and ukulele as tools to be able to write songs. I would love to be better at instruments, but I, my brain doesn't really go there. I would, I would still say that you're an instrumentalist. That still <laughs> definitely counts. Don't, don't downplay that, please. I just, I would love to be, would love to be better, but I don't know. Some people just have the brain for it. Some people are like just froth on practicing and I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you and I are very similar in that way. Yes. Um, very quickly <laughs> as a side note, I have always found it interesting that at university they do only offer, you could want to be like an indie rock singer or folk, as you said, and it's only classical or jazz, which I feel that there's a lot of people yeah. who, might follow that same path of going to uni and then be like, oh, no, this isn't this isn't for me. Yeah, and I actually, as a side note as well, I, when I was at uni I got sued by one of the lecturers um, because he wrote some misogynistic things on the internet and I wrote a little article about it and it went viral and he ended up suing me um, for defamation. And it was a very strange experience, like, to be so young and to just... Uh, be totally bullied by someone in the music industry very, very early. <laughs> but he didn't win. Good. That's yeah. crazy. It is crazy. It's crazy when I think about it now. I I'm, Look, I don't know if there's a song about him on the album or an experience <laughs> about that, but I would, yeah, that's it. wild. <laughs> I know with, um, with exes you've kind of, as you said, you were doing 200 plus shows a year and you've toured with this incredible spectrum of artists as well. You've got like Midnight Oil, uh, there's there's Backstreet Boys on there as well, which is, Ooh. yeah, just kind of opposite ends Very of the spectrum. Very similar bands, you know, both boy bands. <laughs> <laughs> Very true, yeah. I'm just trying to picture um, Peter Garrett do the kind of uh, I want it that way slides, yeah. <laughs> I think you should picture it the other way where you picture all of the Backstreet Boys dancing like Peter Garrett. <laughs> oh, that's good as well. <laughs> that is very good. Um, with Baby Velvet, can we expect to see um, you take this album on the road and bring it around Australia? Yes, I um, have announced a tour and so I'm going around um, hopefully everywhere this year. I am ultimately a tour dog. My dream is to be on the road 100% of the time. So if anybody will have me, I will perform wherever constantly. Um, but I'm going to Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane, and then some regional areas for this tour with my full band, which will be really fun. Oh, that'll be awesome. What is it um, What is it about the road that you kind of prefer, uh, maybe not prefer more than the, the studio, but I know you said you kind of love to be on tour. What is it about touring that gives you that kind of great feeling, I guess. Like tour is magical and it is also the worst thing in the world because you're spending 98% of your time on a plane sitting waiting to check into a hotel in a car <laughs> and you're always unshowered and you haven't eaten or you've eaten rubbish. But it is just, I don't know, whenever I'm not touring, you're like the experience of being on the road is so magical. Like I'm so lucky to get to do this thing where you travel somewhere and people have taken the time out of their day to buy a ticket and come down to a show, which I, I think is um, like the luckiest thing in the whole world is that someone has ma made an effort to come and see some live music that night. Um, and then you get to do that and then you get to go sleep at a hotel and then you get to go home or on someone's couch, depending on how much the show pays. <laughs> 
and do it again and again and stop at op shops and meet every like everybody wants to chat when you're on the road, which I love because I love to chat. I could just <laughs> I could do it forever and ever. I could be on the road constantly. My dream is to one day be in Shania Twain band to Shania Twain's band as a backing vocalist in Las Vegas and just get to do a run of shows. That would be incredible. Would be so good. <laughs> do you find that you're able to, um, I guess, uh, flex that creative muscle? And uh, are you someone who can songwrite while you're on the road, or is it something that you find as a very personal, have to do it at home kind of uh, method? I think that um, I just go through phases where I will write songs for six months and then I won't write a song for six months or then I'll write and then and they kind of go through phases. So I can do it on the road. But especially when you do the touring that like X's does or like Baby Velvet will do where you do shows every night because then there's just no, there's actually no time. You're just literally doing a show and then going to bed and then bit and going through the motions of getting on a plane, train, bicycle for the next day and then doing a show. <laughs> So there's not a lot of time for it, but um, I'm not I'm not someone who needs a special setup to write a song. I could kind of do it wherever. At the same time, most of my songs happen when I'm sad, so that's probably not on tour. <laughs> <laughs> that's very fair. <laughs> In this bedroom after, you know, a big weekend and you're just here on a Tuesday in your jammies wondering what you're doing with your life. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong with that either, though. That sometimes provides the best... Uh, best material. <laughs> uh, Hannah, usually would ask, I guess, what they're currently listening to, if there's anything that kind of um, has taken your fancy on record player, streaming service respectively, what it is that you're uh, yeah, currently enjoying. The new Big Thief album I'm obsessed with is really beautiful. Um, I'm also really obsessed with Johnny Fritz. I don't know if you've listened to him, but He's an American, Americana guy, and he just has this most, I was about to say cleverest, but it's the most clever songwriting lyrics that I've heard in ages. And he, um, he's actually also a real estate agent in America and he sells like vintage houses and it's, he's just, he's so funny and he's so talented and his album Sweet Creep is um, fantastic. That's incredible. I'm definitely, I'm definitely going to be looking that up. I am. I know sometimes. Yeah. He's got a song called Are You Thirsty? And it's about um, quitting drinking and realising all your friends are boring. (laughs) (laughs) I'm already looking forward to this then. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Hannah, thank you very much uh, for your time today. I do appreciate it. The new record from Baby Velvet is out this week. It is called Please Don't Be In Love With Someone Else. Um, Again, Hannah, thank you for coming on the podcast. Thanks so much for having me, Simon. And that's our show. A massive thank you to Hannah Crofts for her time. Please Don't Be In Love With Someone Else is out today. And we've left links in the show notes if you'd like to buy the record or see her on tour. We also want to give a huge shout out to Shari at Great Company Collective for helping out with today's interview. If you like this show, please subscribe wherever you get your pods and stay up to date when new episodes are released. We release new shows each Wednesday and Friday morning and we now have a Patreon which you can find within the show notes of this episode. You can follow the playlist profile on Spotify and you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook and TikTok. Until next week, cheers.
Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.